Welcome to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence and background checks available, unprospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case you're tuning in for the first time, the Talent Talk radio show features a wide range of guests who are uniquely talented and care about talent. On this show, we talk about talent in those two ways, first as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people, and Second, we talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully you see how that works, where talent has a couple different meanings in the business world, and we look to really explore those two areas. My guests include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, talent management, uh, scouts, recruiters, all sorts of kinds of people around the talent field and, and, and who are u- really unique people themselves. So when I'm out at networking events and industry conferences, see the unique privilege of meeting a few inspiring leaders that I really connect with and I want to have a conversation with. So I decided to create this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and learn some practical advice that will hopefully impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, though, I want to thank those of you tuning in live. Don't forget, you can also submit your questions via Twitter uh, or just follow the conversation as we tweet out some of the best uh, tidbits of information and uh, wisdom that we pick up. You can tweet your questions to at peopleg2, hashtag talent talk. Uh, even if uh, you're not listening live, you can even uh, tweet us a suggestion of some questions you'd love to have uh, asked of our guests in the future. My producer, Mike, will try to feed me the best questions, and we'll work them in the show if we can. Don't forget, you can listen to this show via our podcast on iTunes or Android, wherever you pick up your uh, podcast, uh, as well as subscribe to have that weekly show sent to you. This week, we have over 16,000 people that have come in to listen to the at least one or more of the shows, and we're very proud of that. With that said, let me get uh, today's show started. My guests today are Steve Canal, Community uh, Commerce and Partnerships with uh, Miller Coors, and Mike Kelly, partner of Beacon Resources. Mike will be uh, joining me uh, live in the studio for the second half of the show, but uh, first let me welcome in Steve, who's uh, on the line. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. So uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, Certainly we're familiar with your company, but tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are. Uh, Steve Canal, Community Commerce and Partnerships at Millicores. Um, been with the, uh, with Millicores about six years. Prior to that, you know, ran my own business, uh, to major clients like the U.S. Army, Allstate, Thousand Cafe, um, trading strategy and brand development, uh, for those, for those companies. Um, and right now, I currently manage our community commerce and partnerships, basically the conscience of Millicores, managing our national partners and uh, commercializing community initiatives and bringing them to life uh, like our current program right now, Mill Light Tap the Future. So, so tell me a little bit, what are the specific goals in regards to, to your role there? You know, what, 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 what are you really, really looking to accomplish and what is Millicores wanting you to make sure happens? 
you know, one one of the goals, you know, for for me first is to help push America forward um, through civic leadership, through responsibility, through economic empowerment, and water stewardship. I try to figure out ways to to develop programs centered around that, um, aligned with our national partners and uh, hometown market partners. Um, you know, such as the United Way, um, National Urban League, and and bringing uh, initiatives to life. Um, you know, when when you look at No Light Tap the Future, that falls under economic empowerment. You know, and small business, you know, basically helps push America forward. Ninety percent of small business, fifty employees or less, make up America. So without small business, there is no America. So I try to find ways to to commercialize, you know, community initiatives. In, in, in that realm to help, um, you know, develop programming. So I think most people would recognize the name, you know, Miller or Coors, uh, and you mm-hmm. certainly have an extensive experience in brand marketing and community partnership development. So is there still challenges, though, when you're attempting to, to kind of market the brand in this way? And maybe you could talk a little bit about those challenges and what you you do to successfully navigate through those kind of based on your own personal talents and skills. Right. You know, there's definitely challenges. When you look at a company like Melacor's, you know, billion-dollar company, you know, there's still challenges. You know, if you look at the makeup of how America works now, you know, you know, especially when you relate it to marketing, we're in an age of subscribers, fans, and followers. You know, so, you know, with my job, I try to find better ways to use our audience as assets and not as faith-based. So I try to, to to develop awareness amongst that audience and give them information that they can grasp that's tangible and something that, you know, keeps them engaged to to want to follow on Twitter, want to, you know, keep a conversation going on Facebook. Um, because right now it's, it's, you know, the old days of marketing, you know, you have, you know, it's, I say, oh, we still do it, but, you know, I, I see us moving forward down the line in some years where we have our billboards, we have TV advertisement, we have, um, you know, radio spots. Um, but what, what happens once you put, put that information out? You know, you still need to create that conversation with that audience opposed to hoping that that advertisement would, you know, push them to engage with your products or your services. You know, I try to find ways to you know, create awareness and a conversation with an audience. The people who are paying attention create some digital platforms or some mobile platforms that we can create a conversation and stay relevant throughout the year. For your company, it's kind of sounds like, and really specifically to what you're doing, it's going to take a unique skill set with the people on your team, people that you're working with uh, to do these partnerships with. So you know, maybe you can kind of describe what's, What's the right talent profile look like here? You know, what, what is someone who's involved in this process? What are they bringing to the table that's really important? First thing I, I look for, and you know, pretty much transferable skills. You know, just because you've been in sales your career doesn't mean you can't go into marketing. There are a lot of things that you've done within your your role um, in, in in the sales world that you can transfer into marketing. It's just identifying that and transferring it over to a marketing role. And understanding that, um, of course, you know, I'm in the beverage industry, so PPG experience, um, consumer um, products and goods, and, you know, understanding what that world entails and doing your research. Um, 
you know, but within marketing, but within sales, within community commerce and partnerships, there is synergy, you know, there is just bringing, bringing that talent and, and identifying it and, and the skill um, to be able to take on a role and, and do it and move forward with it. Right, right. It sounds like, you know, really important skills. And I, and I like how you talked about, you know, there can be that uh, kind of transfer from one area to another where there can be those skills that, Maybe it's not direct experience, but when you have certain skills in one area, you can bring those to another area and learn the things you don't know. But kind of transferring those skills over is a really important thing that people sometimes forget to, right. to try to leverage when they move from one place to another or to to really talk about in an interview or, you know, figure out what's the important skill here. Maybe I don't know everything there is to know about marketing, but if I know how to talk to people or I know how to, you know, bring people together or communicate effective, whatever it may be, you can really kind of focus on those things as you know when, when you're kind of moving from one place to the next exactly and, and and that's one of the things i try to do especially as a leader or as a manager or as a director you know you know when you have people under you it's, it's talking it through because a lot of times people don't see the talent within there's so much and bogged down with so much that goes on within society in the world that you never take the time to actually sit down take a deep breath and actually think about all the things that you've done and how those things can relate to what you, you know, you're, you're trying to pursue now. You know, you look at a resume, you know, and usually you'll put two or the last three years of, you know, jobs that you've worked. But there are a lot of things that you did before that that aren't on that resume that you can highlight, you know. Um, so I try to bring that out as well when, when I when I talk and um, have a conversation with, with folks. Right. Well, I have to admit, I was doing a little bit of cyber stalking. I was on your Twitter profile, and uh, <laughs> I noticed that you, you stated that uh, you know corporate lifestyle with an entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what that means and how that entrepreneurial spirit really helps you in your current role. Right. You know, with that, I, I try to stay true to never losing the essence of connecting with people. When you're an entrepreneur, your job is to go out there and find new business. You're, you're, you're kind of doing what I call the old Italian way of doing business. You sit down, you have dinner, you have a, a meal, and you talk. You just have a flat-out conversation, and then you get to the business later on, you know. But it's, when you get into the corporate world, it's more of creating, 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 and pushing out, pushing out, pushing out, and what can you know my consumers do for me now? You know, so I try to bring that entrepreneurial spirit into the corporate world of, uh, all right, we're not just going to create this for us. We need to create this for the people and understand the mindset. So we need to get out there and talk, and we need to see how the, the, the market is going. We need to engage with with our consumers and, and people who are interested in our brands to see what they're thinking about. So I try to bring that to life in everything I do. Um, and try not to lose that essence of connecting with people and actually talking and engaging and seeing what's on their mind and bring that to a strategy for a brand um, or a concept or an idea. So from a leadership development perspective, what do you offer to those who work with you or you know, your direct reports or team, you know, or simple people that you influence about what it means to be a leader? I mean, you kind of what, what is your mantra? What is it you're really trying to impress on people? about what a good leader is and, and and how do you challenge others maybe to grow in their own leadership abilities in doing that? The number one thing I think as a leader that you can do is listen. 
you know, you have a lot of people around you and there's constant noise around you, but it's filtering it and actually listening. So um, for your direct report, just sitting down and letting them talk, mm-hmm. letting them, you know, and, and listening and hearing what's on their mind, um, seeing what their goals are, um, how they plan on attaining those goals and you coming in and just connecting those dots and sharing your insight with them. Um, but the number one thing for me has always been to listen um, and engage and, and develop a plan and, you know, building a plan together opposed to me telling you, all right, this is what I want, this is what I see. It's hearing what you have on your mind and pulling that out and going from there. Um, there's a great book, Strength Finders, um, you know, that, you know, you, you can take the test and it, it'll highlight your, your top five strengths, your top mm-hmm. four or five strengths. Um, and when I get into a room, I understand that each individual person has their own personality and those, you know, conversations that I have with each, with each person is going to be very different, you know, so it's pulling out those strengths from those individuals and opposed to, you know, we, we tend to build plans off of weakness and see how we can build off of that and become stronger. Well, how about we start with what we're strong with? and go from there and develop a plan. So I try to focus on people's strengths and assign roles, especially if we have a project, you know, in in that direction, opposed to the reverse that, you know, the norm is today. We've had a few people mention uh, StrengthsFinders uh, as a great great book and uh, certainly a a web uh, portal, which we've talked about on the show before, where people can, for a few bucks, get their their first five profiles, and it's really helpful. I don't know if you remember what your top uh, strength was off the top of your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, and and the, the, the funny part is I've done it uh, twice within a year, and probably one of them has changed. Yeah. But I know one is Maximizer. Mm-hmm. don't remember them all, but I know that one sticks in my head because that's just the personality I am. I, right. I try to maximize opportunity. You know, I'm up early, you know, go sleep late, and I'm trying to attain that next goal. Right. Um, but that was definitely one relationships. Yeah, the only two I remember was uh, Achiever and Relator. But uh, Relate, Relator was one of mine as well. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think any, any entrepreneur or anyone who's in a position of having, you know, to drive a, a, something like kind of what you're doing, uh, it makes sense. You need to be able to be... Uh, you, you talked about hearing people and noticing what their talents are. I mean, that's, that's what, what a relator does. They really care about what other people think and, and what they can, you know, can, can do and, and, and really wanting to see them grow and develop and those types of things. So that, that certainly makes sense. Right. You know, speaking of books, we've had so many great recommendations that it's become a, a regular question that we ask all of our guests. And that is, what are you reading right now? And tell us about that book. Oh, awesome. Um, <laughs> I wish I could only read one book at a time, but I'm a multitasker, so I, I'll, I try to focus on a variety of different books and sort of see if I can make a connection between them on how I push forward. So right now, um, I have about three solid ones that I'm reading, but one that I, I, I've read over and over again is Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson and Dealing with Change. That's a really good book. David and uh, Goliath by Malcolm uh, Gladwell basically focusing on the art of battling the giant, the giants, which is an amazing book. Um, and then, of course, Damon John, The Brain Within. Within the past couple of years, I've been able to get real close with him and pick his brain. And um, just understanding the brand within has always been important. Um, and then the fourth is I have a, a blog myself that I put out on stevecanal.com, and I, I try to focus on recommending books 
I try to focus on developing um, your brand, your personal brand or business. I call it the, the art of brand navigation. So taking all that content within my mind and putting it down on paper and actually reading it is, is something that I do as well. Um, but those, you know, the three books I started with, again, is Who Moved My Cheese, Spencer Johnson, Dealing with Change, David and Goliath, you know, basically the art of battling giants and uh, the brand within by Daniel John. Just so our listeners know, we uh, are in the process, and we should have it up here pretty quick. We've got quite a few of the radio show uh, blog uh, recaps, kind of all the best stuff that our guests talked about. We always have the books on there, and we have an Amazon store you can click to. You can go into there and see all the books that all the guests have have ever recommended. That way you don't have to write all this down or, you know, you can pop in there. You can always go to the peopleg2.com and then go to the blog, and you can see all that there. This is probably a first, but I, I have... One of our guests recommended a book called Give and Take, which I absolutely loved and just finished that one up. And then I started another one that uh, Tim Ferriss, who's a an author that I follow a lot, he suggested, and that was called The Art of Learning by Josh uh, Waitzkin. And it, I tell you, I know what you mean by having being in lots of different books, but every once in a while the book captures me so much that I just can't do anything else but read that book because I get so into it. And, that, and this book has really kind of captured that for me i was listening on the car on the way over here today and can't wait to finish it so might be one you want to check out and our listeners might want to check out as uh some of the other ones that you mentioned are are just really great books that every entrepreneur every uh ceo at least ought to be reading you know maybe you can uh think back over your past experiences in businesses and maybe what are one or two of the things that you look at and see that those things kind of helped you into the leader you are today. Maybe it was an event, maybe it was a project, maybe it was a process. You know, there's some kind of those little focal points or pivot points for you where you really felt like you grew as a person and as a leader? I'd say one, uh, definitely working with the U.S. Army um, and having them and touring the country and do, executing events. Um, there are two things that, that really came out of it and to this day um, stay true to what I do. Um, one was discipline. You know, making sure, you know, making sure all, all the loose ends are tied, making sure you're there on time, making sure if you, you say something to somebody and promise something that you actually deliver. The next was just being authentic. Going back to what I said about just sitting down and, and talking and then getting to the business later, mm-hmm. getting to know somebody, you know, is, is just as important as business, you know, because you, you, you begin to, to build a trust. And you know that if you ask, it'll be delivered because of you, you know what to expect out of people. You know, so I try to be authentic with everything I do. Um, if I tell you I'm going to deliver a project or if I'm going to help you with the strategy, I'm going to do it. If I tell you I'm going to be there at this time, I'm going to be there for that meeting and, I'm, you know, we're going to knock it out the park. And then that discipline, just making sure that, you know, you pay attention to detail. A, a lot of times we, we oversee a lot of things, you know, we're in a rush. <laughs> so, so taking a deep breath um, and just paying attention um, to the to the small details usually make a huge difference. So, those are two things that try to stay true to um, every day. Yeah, and you made a you've made the point a couple times about that. You know, sitting down and having dinner and talking and you know, kind of doing that long before you ever really kind of jump into that business. And I know a lot of times people kind of they, they struggle with that. They don't know when the right time is to to start talking business and to when to, you know, bring up, everyone knows why you're there. 
But you know, when you bring right, that up, and, right. you know, I, I once got some great advice from a gentleman in one of my uh, CEO roundtables, and that was, you you don't start talking business until they bring it up. If you're the vendor and they're the customer, they want to sit and talk at dinner for three hours, and you sit and talk about whatever you talk about. But once they bring it up, then it's the right time. And until right. then, it's not. And that I tell you, that rule has worked really, really well for me. Get an opportunity to really understand your customers and know about them, and. Conversely, if they don't want to talk, if they just want to do business, you'll find that out pretty quick, too. <laughs> right. It'll organically happen and take its place. Yeah. You, know, you just have to let it happen. You know, a lot of times, like I said, we're very impatient people, and sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and just live in the moment and appreciate the experience because that experience at that dinner table, good or bad, is going to be beneficial for future learning. So just embrace it, take it in, and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, if uh, people are interested in learning more about what you're doing over there at Miller Coors and, uh, of course, maybe more about you, and you also mentioned your blog, maybe you can kind of recap for us again uh, what's the ways people can find out more and, and reach out to you in a, a way in which you're you're happy getting contacted. Right. So I know you have a, an amazing audience. Um, so for all the entrepreneurs listening out there right now, we have an amazing program called Miller Light Tap the Future an amazing tool um, and opportunity for businesses to win up to $300,000 in grant money. Um, you know, Miller Lite invented the, the light beer category. So what better way to develop than to develop a program that gives back to entrepreneurs? Um, it, it supports teams of entrepreneurs with original business ideas. Um, and you can just log on to mltapthefuture.com. Um, and upload your business idea, your concept. Um, we're looking for businesses five years or less. Um, and Damon John from ABC Shark Tank is the face of the program. He's um, one of our judges for our live pitch competitions. So you get to actually engage with Damon um, if you're selected as a semifinalist. Um, get expert advice, which is amazing. You know, with no like being that originator, we wanted to help um, support those origin, original ideas and, and new businesses and concepts right now through this project, um, which I'm very proud of and excited about because um, it's an opportunity, again, to help us push America forward and support small business. Um, without small business, there is no America. Um, and on uh, also, you know, for personal branding, you know, brand strategy, help, develop your brand, personal or business, uh, I have my blog, www.stevecanal.com. Um, I have weekly posts, um, and um, our, our app will be launching in a week where you'll be able to get our articles pushed to you on mobile. Um, so we're looking forward to that as well. Well, uh, Steve, I really uh, appreciate it. Now, uh, just so our listeners know, Canal is C-A-N-A-L. just want to make sure they have the, the right spelling there if they're right. to look you up. Really love what you're doing over there at Miller Coors and, and the way you're kind of pushing those initiatives and working with small business. So please keep up the good work. And thank you again so much for being a guest on the Talent Talk radio show. It was a real pleasure having you. I had, a, I had an amazing time. Thank you for so much for having me. Okay. Um, I look forward to, to working again in the future. Thanks. Yeah, we look forward to having you back and get an update on what's going on. So, uh, Sounds good. Mike Kelly is coming up next after this quick commercial break. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. 
with 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers. For over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. And we also want you to take a look at the sponsor for today's show, Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company founded in 2001 that's dedicated to helping clients with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving them access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available today on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and much more. People G2 recently named one of the best places to work right here in Orange County as well as one of the fastest-growing privately held companies by both the Orange County Business Journal and the Inc. 5000 list. So if you want to hear about all the good things happening at People G2, simply visit their website, www.peopleg2.com. That's peopleg2.com. And now back to our next guest. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast, uh, this show, and listen to past shows by visiting octalkradio.net and clicking on the Shows tab and, of course, clicking on Talent Talk. In the short time uh, the shows existed, uh, I don't know, when we coming up on our year anniversary, Mike? Do you know? August. Well, so it's been less than a year. We're coming up on it, though. We'll have to do something, have a cake or something, I guess. But uh, we've already amassed a huge following. As we mentioned before, over 16,000 people have come in to listen to the show. We really appreciate your support. My next guest is Mike Kelly, a partner with Beacon Resources, which is one of the fastest-growing companies in Orange County. Don't forget to tweet your questions live right now to Mike by sending them to at PeopleG2 and use the hashtag TalentTalk. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your, your background and uh, kind of your road to, to where you are now and, of course, uh, about your company. Certainly. My biggest road into recruiting is a little bit different than most. I started out by spending uh, five years in uh, public accounting out of Ernst & Young locally and got involved in recruiting kind of on the weekends doing some college recruiting for Ernst & Young. I never realized you actually could have a job full-time in this <laughs> area, so it's kind of fortuitous. When I left Ernst & Young and started interviewing for corporate controller roles, uh, the recruiter that interviewed me said, hey, do you ever think about going into our business? And uh, I didn't at the time. I didn't really even know you could make a living doing it. Fast forward five or six interviews later, and uh, I ended up uh, starting in a consulting arm of their business where I would put out CPAs and MBAs on a, a project or interim basis. Fast forward two years from there, I left to uh, start my own firm uh, after being with a, a nationally recognized firm by the name of Robert Half. And I started a firm called Spinnaker Financial, um, ran that for seven years. Uh, when I say started it, it really was myself and an idea. 
uh, mm. grew to about 25 CPAs, uh, and then sold that to a firm called Tatum, who wanted to take what I was doing on a national concept. They just did work at the CFO level. Right. Uh, I was with them for five years, and we grew throughout the country. And then we sold to a publicly traded company called Randstad mm-hmm. and uh, was with them for six months and uh, wanted to get back into a more boutique thing. So I left to start a Beacon Financial uh, roughly uh, three and a half years ago. We started out in, in what was probably the worst time ever to start the business. First six months were painful, mm-hmm. long hours, incredibly humbling. But the last six months of, of, I think it was 2010, we really picked up steam. And, and from then, you know, we're... Uh, very for- fortunate. We're roughly about 12 folks internally and 45 CPAs out in the field doing project work throughout uh, Southern California, both all over Orange County and then also in uh, LA and San Diego. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs have talked about on the show, and I know it, this is true for, for me as well when I started the company, that you start in the middle of a recession. And uh, it's amazing how many people have started at that point, whether that just was coincidence or whether it was they got fed up with whatever they were doing or something wasn't working out, but they went in to start and going through that process made it so much, I don't want to say easier, but going through such a hard time made uh, later on when you start having success, it makes things so much more valuable. And I think can almost get that snowball effect, right? Because if you can get momentum back then, you can get momentum now during anything. And you could get that kind of that do you feel like that with your company? Well, I think it's it's a really good point. I think it makes the experience a lot deeper. Okay. Um, when you, you know, you, you start out in, in a very, uh, very trying time, high, high unemployment, a lot of things that drove our business in the accounting finance area, Sarbanes-Oxley, things of that nature were loosening up. There are a lot of good people on the streets. Clients are saying, why do I need you? Right. So you have to get a lot better at what you do. You really have to push the value of what you do and really service the heck out of your clients. So it totally does. Uh, I can't believe, you know, we're fast forward to where we are today. And now, you know, the problems you have getting a business off the ground are so different that once you get the ball rolling, now it's managing managing the momentum in a, in a positive way. Who do right. you want to be tomorrow now? How do you – from this direction, you can go so many different ways with the business and with your team. So it's uh, it's been a fun ride to do it a, a second time, and I tell everyone I don't have a third one in me. This is, <laughs> this is it for me. It's such a humbling experience to start yeah. something from scratch. You have an idea. You know, but time time will make you forget that. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. Ten years or something, but I should start something else. I, it's amazing. We used to think if we could only have this happen, everything will be okay. Or if this milestone or this goal is accomplished, of course that's never it, right? You accomplish that mm-hmm. goal, you have five more, and you have three more roadblocks hit your way. And but it's funny how our and then our minds start to forget that. I, I remember we used to play uh, golf. Like a little mini golf inside the office mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every day. There was like there would be an hour of like you just had made every call you can make. You've done everything you could do, and there was nothing to do but play golf. And then over time, those the little putters started to collect dust, and we we never did it ever again because things just got so busy and got rolling. But in the beginning, we had to keep ourselves busy and entertained. <laughs> oh, it, it, we, you know, I tell this story quite often, but it, your point is so so valid. When I started the firm three and a half years ago, things were horrible and. We would go out all day long and shake hands, kiss babies, and go to our private equity groups, our venture capital resource, all of our clients. And I'll say, yeah, great idea, Mike. Definitely we'll use you. Definitely use you. We had nothing to work on. So we'd work our tail off literally all day till from 8 to 4 and have mm-hmm. nothing to do. Uh, so then we go get a beer, talk about what we did right, what we did wrong, mm-hmm. and go home because I couldn't go home at 4 o'clock because then my wife would <laughs> be like, what are you doing? 
<laughs> Everything's okay, honey. Why are you home right. every day at four o'clock? So I, I had two hours to kill. Had two hours to kill. Now, exactly. it's, now it's the inverse. Now she's yelling at me to come home at six thirty. When uh-huh. you know, so uh-huh. like you said, there's no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you work with a wide range of companies. You know, from startups to even Fortune 100. You name some really big companies that you've been involved with in the past. You know, while the reasons a company might contact you certainly are going to vary, are, are there some things that are maybe fairly common to, that you see or why people want you know you to bring in 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 someone instead of them doing it themselves? You know, that's that's a great point. It really depends. You know, we have three parts of our business. We do work in what we call the the advisory area, which is very technically based accounting, uh, where we bring in some of our hired folks, big four CPAs that go in and you know, help with financial statement restatements, which are very complicated. We do white paper memos for the SEC. We also do a lot of very complicated revenue recognition and audit preparation things. These are accounting terms. I don't want to bore you, but usually it's uh, our folks are super uh, up-to-date on the latest technical guidance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people within an industry are very sharp, but they don't keep up on all the latest technical guidance because they're so buried in their industry issues. So they bring us in to kind of bridge that gap when they're going to raise money or if they're publicly traded, the SEC is they have a certain period of time to file their documents, sure. and they usually need some help. So we usually are brought in uh, for advisory reason when the, there might be a you're raising money, or maybe you have some uh, technical. You need to bring some technical guidance in for a period of time, mm-hmm. and we're all a bunch of uh, big four CPAs, so we usually can bridge that gap between the outside auditors and then the inside industry professional. Then you go over to kind of the, the staffing side of the business. And that usually, uh, there's a lot of different reasons. Usually it's a time of change, good or bad. You're, you're growing rapidly mm-hmm. and uh, you need additional talent and you believe in, in getting that, that the A candidate, so to speak. Right. And sometimes it's someone important to your team has left you and that person was critical to your daily, getting the daily work done and you need to bring in someone very skilled on an interim basis who can hit the ground running with Specific industry expertise, technical background, maybe software experience. Right. Um, and, and so we have a pretty large group of folks that basically parachute in. Uh, we get a call. I always say my busiest time of my week, horribly, or maybe not horribly, is Friday at 3 o'clock. <laughs> That's when people give their notice. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, my clients start calling me saying, help, Mike, I need a big four CPA with software experience. And we're about to do an Oracle implementation. Right. And my controller just gave me two weeks. I need you to bring someone on Monday. So for two weeks, they could cross train with them to kind of help us get us through this period of time. So Friday morning, you should be golfing with new CPAs and then Friday afternoon, you'd be placing them, right? You know, it's a good, very good point. We always, I always <laughs> say, you know, Friday, Friday is when good things happen. Monday right. is when bad things happen. Monday right. where you find out, Mike, we really liked your person, uh, but we went with someone else on right. Friday. So right. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like my Mondays as much as I do on Fridays. <laughs> So I, you know, your company Beacon Resources can handle. It sounds like you know staffing from a direct hire to a temporary basis, as you described. So maybe what are some of the tools or things that you do to ensure you're getting the top talent available? I mean, you can look at someone's resume, you can see that they've got these things they say they do, but how do you really make sure you've got a great person on your team to offer your clients? You know, that's that's a secret sauce. Um, and, and your your question is is valid. I do it in a bunch of we do it in a bunch of different ways. It's not mm-hmm. just me. Being a CPA, spending five years and a pretty good period of my life, uh, and I, I grew up in a family of CPAs, we're overly disciplined and anal in a very um, hazardly business. And that, and that is the first thing we do is everybody who ever goes and sits in front of one of our clients spends time with us. So we go through a pretty thorough in-face interview. Mm-hmm. 
Second thing is depending on if you're under if you if you're under a certain manager level, we have 63 different tests we put you through. Everything from accounting 101 through bank recs through access to software. So we test you 65 different tests on whatever you say you're strong at because your perception of your Excel skills, you may think you're awesome, mm-hmm. but you may actually only be beginner. So we really want to help our clients understand that. Right. And then everyone besides coming in, my staff are all, this is what's kind of strange, we're all accountants or recovering accountants or CPAs. So I'm we all have that accounting <laughs> DNA in our background. Yeah. So it really helps us truly one is to be, we're interviewing our peers and, mm-hmm. and to really understand when someone's talking about the technical side of the business and also really helps with the client side as well. And just as being fair to our candidates, we'll never stick a candidate in front of a client who we haven't met. And sometimes clients, oh, just send me resumes. Listen, we can't do a good job if we don't spend time with you. So we, we kind of work both sides of it. And then, of course, we do the background checks that a lot of people don't do, and I don't know why, because it's just a, a very smart value add. Obviously, you guys know know a lot about the value of doing background checks on mm-hmm. folks. And then uh, this is the, the obvious, but the one I think where we add tons of value being a boutique. And there's a lot of power in being a boutique and really knowing the market strong is, you know, you're, you're going to give me two references of people you reported to. And we'll do those references. But what I'm going to do because, and my team does, is we're going to get a reference that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. We're, it's going to be someone you work with in the past. It's going to be your outside auditors. It's going to be someone who reported to you. We almost always can find somewhere in someone's career if they've been around over five years, that's work with you either directly or indirectly and get kind of that behind the, okay, what was this person really like? Right. And that's what our clients love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they get really excited about. And I think that's why you take a look at the fall off or when things go wrong, our fall off ratio is roughly about one and a half percent in an industry, which is five plus percent. And that's what I'm very proud of right. um, getting it right the first time. And one of the interesting things I thought about with your company is like you talked about yeah, Friday, you might be getting that call to say this person's left and, and they might've left because the company's in trouble. Yes. The company is not managing people. Well, they may have run that person, a great person out of there because they are dysfunctional. Right? So how do you deal with that? You're possibly bringing in a great person on a temporary basis into a very difficult situation. How do you prepare them for that? And is that something you guys run into a lot, or is that more, maybe more of a glamorized uh, idea about what you might be doing? Uh, no, that, that that is really a good question. I would say actually about a third of the time. Third, okay. Third of the time, something's broken within the organization, and it could be you know everything from uh, poor culture, working the people too hard, not getting the right resources. It could be just an industry that's just tanking. Mm-hmm. We obviously saw what happened to mortgage and things of that nature. Um, so there, there are a bunch of different things. And the, really what we have to do, and we're very fortunate, I think, because the market's so positive now, is we're honest with them. We couch it accordingly, of course, because no one wants to hear their babies ugly. But right. we're going to spend some time saying, listen, you know, right now with everything that's going on, Johnny left because of this. Do you think it might be a good idea just till we stabilize things for the next 90 days Put someone in here on an interim basis to kind of take care of these four or five key things you say that are important to you, whether it be raise money, get through an audit, uh, get a new CEO in. Uh, and then once we kind of stabilize things, kind of triage the situation, take another look at, at what your needs may be. Because also once we bring someone in strong to take care of these 10 things, you may not need a CFO. You may need just a controller. So there's a value proposition you have to do as well. Mm-hmm. But you need to couch it very carefully because people obviously, you know, yeah, they get sensitive. Very much so. They take it personally. And, and, and yeah. Especially if it's a CEO because they're, it's their baby. What? CEOs, we don't, we don't get offended by things. <laughs> Not at all. No, what? Not at all. <laughs> especially founders or CEOs. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, from a leadership development perspective, 
what are some of the companies missing when it comes to developing their own employees as leaders that, again, because you're kind of seeing sometimes that third of the time you talked about that, that maybe that gap, right? So are the, are the things that you're seeing on a consistent basis that they're not doing to develop those people to kind of keep them long-term? Yeah, you know, I think the thing that I see most consistently is people really aren't motivated. This is my general perspective by money. Mm -hmm. People aren't motivated by what people perception it's their feeling of self-worth within the company. So what seems to happen quite often is someone comes to a company for a specific reason. They believe in the idea, they believe in the culture, they believe in maybe it's a, a software or an idea and they believe in kind of what the, the vision and the path is of the company. And then, unfortunately, the vision and the path changes because life is always changing. Maybe the economy takes a turn. Maybe the CEO uh, doesn't turn out to be as strong as they do. And the problem I see companies, they don't communicate. They mm. bury their head in the sand. And yeah. they don't say, hey, guys, we hit this problem. If you communicate with people, say, we hit this problem, and this is our plan. This is our plan to get there. And by the way, I need you to get there because I can't do it alone. But what happens is people seem to turn internally in the management level and not really share what their vision is to get out of this issue because these people are smart people. By the way, they're accountants, so they see the financials. It's hard to lie. Yeah. So they, they know before <laughs> most that things aren't going well. Right. And what I see consistently is all of a sudden people feel like they're not part of the solution anymore and they're on the outside. And then at that point, they get kind of dissuaded with where the, the company's going and then they reach out to me and say, hey, Mike, I, this isn't for me anymore. The company's heading in a different direction. I don't really see how they're going to get their way out of it. And we work with people and we've had companies ask us for help or to kind of look in, into them internally. And usually if they bring up the money thing pretty early on, we know they have a problem, big problem. Yes. Because it's, you know, just give people more money, just give them a raise or give them financial incentives is their primary way of motivating people is, in my opinion, and there's a lot of certainly scholarly people have written a lot of books that back this up. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. No, uh, you know, we have up on our our web page on our careers uh, page a RSA video that's really famous about mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Those being the three most important things for employees to have in their job and their lives to be happy. And I think you could throw in there too a, a love for what they're doing or a love for the company. I think it can go either way, but um, that seems to have more to do with it. They have the autonomy to their job, right? They have some purpose. You know, what's your culture that gets into culture? And, and, and they have the um, mastery, right, that they're continuing to learn, that they can do what you're asking them to do or they can learn how to do it, right, mm -hmm. have those mm -hmm. challenges in place. That has so much more to do with their value in the company than here's five more dollars For or sure. here's a thousand more dollars a year. Or you can get a bonus if the company hits their thing. Those things are nice. Don't get me wrong. People appreciate right. those if they're appropriate but not as your sole motivator for why you show up every day and why you work hard. And people just don't seem to get that. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all know that, you know, character is kind of defined when things go wrong. Mm -hmm. You need to over communicate when things go wrong or, or, or not necessarily when there's bumps on the road, They're, you know, and, and communicate and bring people and let them know you see it and this is your plan to, to get us out of it. And I think people will stay. Yeah. As, as long as you can communicate well. Yeah. Right. As you move through your career and you've talked about, Currently in an entrepreneurial role, you, you've been in one before that. Uh, you've been with two large publicly traded companies, so you have a lot of different perspective on different ways to manage problems, to to deal with growth and 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 everything that comes into a company. So maybe what are one of one or two things that you've learned along the way that maybe you identify as kind of key to your success as a leader today? Well, I think it's it, it's an evolving thing, of course. But I, for me, the people that I've been mentored by and I try to emulate 
from a leadership perspective, keep things pretty simple. Um, what they've always done and what I try to do is be very clear and communicate to your staff, to your team members, what you want them to do mm -hmm. and how they can help you achieve whatever goal that, that is. But also communicate what you're going to do and how you're going to help them get there. And then do it. Too often my experience has been the old saying, do what you say and say what you do. It's such a simple thing in theory, but so hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, it's not convenient. So what we try to do, good or bad, on a monthly basis, we meet with our people every month and, and very specific goals for that month. And then also very specific goals, what we're going to do to help you to get to that goal. And then along the way, we break it down even more. We're crazy about training. I'm an overly passionate person, if you know, uh, if you talk to most of the folks that work with me. So the concept is we're constantly working on your skill set. We're constantly working on the art of our business because it can get mundane. You can get sloppy. You can get people really want to have a reason to get up and go to work. And want to feel like they're getting better at what they do. So what we try to do, all the leaders at, at Beacon, is to really work as hard as the people they work from on their goals. And by the way, you get better because you're doing that. Going back to the basics of the business, mentoring, everyone's mentored. It, it really just motivates people. And also just doing what you say you're going to do. And then next thing you know, you get a, an amazing momentum and culture because everyone's working together. And it really blurs the line between who's in charge. You're really, the really teammates are sitting next to their peers. Let's get this done. And we've seen it create an amazing esprit de corps. The good news is it creates very tight-knit team. The bad news is it makes it really hard to hire. We've had a, a, a challenge ourselves just because um, we have a great group and we're, we're looking to add uh, folks, recruiters to our team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most recently we finally found a strong player, but we went through 15 interviews to get there because we were uh, so picky and choosy about work. And that hurt our growth. It's like bringing in a new family member, right? It's it's like you get so close that, you know, you, you're really going to, you know how much that person will impact the dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're at that great size. We're big enough where we're, we're doing really well, but we're small enough where we're all in one large room. Sure. And we share ideas and thoughts and we're afraid to, to make that. So I guess it, coming full circle to your question, uh, you know, doing what we say and saying what we do is probably the greatest thing that I've learned and try to do mm -hmm. uh, more days than, than not. Some days it's hard as well. Well, and I'm sure a lot of the things that you've learned and gone through is part of that comes from your own kind of educational process and, and developing yourself. And one of our favorite questions to ask our, our guests is about what they're reading. Uh, maybe if you're reading a book right now or something that significantly impacted yeah. you could share with us. Well, you know, I, I, I'm two-thirds through a book that I, I, I heard good things about and actually has kind of stood out in my mind. That's a, a book that's somewhat popular right now. It's a duty uh, about Robert Baker. He most recently was the Secretary of War under President Obama. And what I found super interesting about this gentleman and, and, and kind of in general is here's a guy who, through the last 30 or 40 years, Republican or Democrat, has been part of their administration from direct to the CIA, uh, Secretary of War, Director of the NSA, under Republicans and Democrats. Mm -hmm. And then he took some time off and was the president of Texas A&M. And no matter where he's Taking gone... Taking time off means you're the head of a university, yeah, right? Good point. Good point. <laughs> time off from government. Okay. Uh, and everywhere he's gone, he's been amazingly successful. Mm -hmm. And I always find it, you know, it's, it's very interesting when someone's successful in one circumstance. I find it amazing when someone's successful in like five or six different organizations. Right. I try to, what, what's their, what do they do to keep it 
It's super hard. I mean, we're talking right. from government to... And they can be trusted by all these different people in different extremes. And, and, and they're throwing the deep end. I mean, when he took over as Secretary of War, Iraq and Afghanistan were going horrible and really getting in and, and trying to make change. And, and he did make a lot of positive change. Um, obviously, we still have a, a long way to go. Um, but right. I, I found it truly fascinating, his, his leadership style. And it was all about communication and holding everybody incredibly accountable for what they commit to and uh, being fair, being uh, forthright. Mm-hmm. And, and and not playing the political games. And because that, he's, he wasn't a Republican, he was a Democrat. He was a guy that was very clear about his path and how to get there. And you said that book was called Baker, right? Uh, it's called Duty. Oh, Duty, I'm sorry. Duty about, about Robert Baker. Robert Baker, there we go. That's where, that's where I got Baker from. So Duty, check that out. Well, real quick, the last question we have, we're going to wrap this up. How can people find out more about your company and, and reach out to you if they're interested? Definitely. Uh, our Beacon Resources, our, our website is uh, beaconresources-us.org. Please, uh, at any time, if you have questions, uh, all of our contact information is there we can help out uh, in any way. I know there's a lot of human resources professionals out there that we uh, we work with on a daily basis as well as uh, CEOs. Feel free to reach out to us if we can help out in any way. Great. And for the book, I think maybe I said Baker. Is it Gates? Was it Robert Gates or Robert Baker? Robert Gates. Gates. Yes, yes it was Gates. There we go. That may have been me. So I've, I've been known to say the wrong name or or mis, mispronounce the name Smith, you know. Um, <laughs> it can happen. It it, uh, it happens to me all the time. It seems to be my Achilles heel on the radio, but oh well. So, uh, Mike, thank you so much for being our guest today. We really appreciate you doing that, and hopefully we can have you back and get an update at some point and uh, find out uh, how your company's doing and if you're sticking to that uh two times is enough entrepreneurial promise you gave us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. All right. That's about all the time we have for today. Thank you again to my special guests, Steve Canal and Mike Kelly. Tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Talent Talk, brought to you by People G2 to hear China Gorman, CEO of Great Place uh, to Work Institute, and Jay Bott, President and CEO of My Mike. Uh, Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Town Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping clients with their people-related decisions.